Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Part of going through Romans is is the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit is in you because Christ was raised from the dead, right? We have, I'm going to get there later, so I'm sorry, I'm just way getting ahead of myself. But as we think about our capacity to love other people, think about the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. We like an unlimited love of God, that same unlimited love of God by the Holy Spirit is in you. Well, let's close in prayer and just call it good. No. We love out of the Holy Spirit that is in us to love other people and to bless all those around us, whether or not they deserve it. So then somebody's thinking, well, but Brent, what about me? What about you? Because you remember, you died to yourself way back in chapter six because yourself was a slave to sin and ugly and nasty and no good for nothing. So what about you? You died to yourself so that you could be raised to life in Christ Jesus. You following the theology here? You died to yourself so that you could be raised to life in Christ Jesus, who, by the way, gave his life, who gave his very best for people who were actively sinning against him. He loved you when you were unlovable. So that's the example that we have. Well, then, Brent, if I'm loving them unconditionally, then they may get the best of me. That's reasonable. If you're really loving them, if you're really loving them, follow me here, if you're really loving them, you're already giving them your best. They don't have to take it. We're so afraid that somebody's going to get the best of us. Sacrificial, Christ-like love. We give when they don't deserve it, and sometimes we give when we don't even feel like we have it in us to give, but the Holy Spirit's there to give. Are you with me? Verse 10 is the opposite perspective of the same topic. Not only does love do good, but love does no wrong to others. No, love does no wrong to others. So I'm going to ask a question in fear that I will get the wrong answer. But I think this is pretty simple for all those that are listening. For those who are sleeping, continue. May God bless your rest. How much wrong does love do? No wrong. Yes, good job. Oh, that was risky there. How much wrong does love do? No wrong. I introduced a word picture kind of uh, a, long, a while back. Um, I, it was probably in chapter six. And so I, I wanted I want to go back there and grab that picture. So here's the next question. How much septic water would you like in your coffee? 
That was a good illustration, by the way. That will live on throughout the life of Desert Heights. How much septic water would you like in your coffee? Would you like a little teaspoon? Would you like a tablespoon? Or, or would you like, you know, like some of you do your creamer where you just like your creamer flavored with coffee where it's mostly creamery. Would you like a half a cup of septic water and then fill it, top it off with some coffee? Likewise, I mean, I'm assuming that the answer is no, we don't want any septic water in our coffee. Likewise, how much evil would you like to sow into your life? Because we'll all sit here and say, well, none. None, we don't want evil. In our, I don't want to sow any evil in my life. But then as we go about our week, it's a little selfishness with your spouse. It's a little pride or anger with your children. It's a little laziness with your fellow church brothers and sisters. A work day, I'm not going to a work day. If there's donuts, which there will be. Hallelujah. Yeah. How much evil would you like in your life? Whoa, I don't want none. I want none. I want no evil. Then stop returning evil for evil. Evil is never good. I already preached this sermon. Septic water is never delicious, no matter how small of an amount you put in your coffee. That's nasty. But then whenever it comes to evil, we're like, I love you, but then we do something destructive and evil and horrible and sinful to them. Love never does wrong. Never. Mm -hmm. Like the way you're thinking. When we love your neighbor as yourself, as the text says, it heads off evil. This is a wonderful thing. When you love your neighbor as yourself, it heads off evil. It keeps evil from creeping in. So listen carefully, uh, because I couldn't figure out a really good way of wording this without your brain going crazy for a second. So it's, just listen carefully. Stay with me until I get to the, to the end part here, part of the text. So engage. If you love, for instance, your spouse... You love your spouse. All those who love their spouse raise their hand. Oh, some of that was a little slow. Thank you. Just checking to see, just because some of you are like. <laughs> if you love your spouse sacrificially, unconditionally, I had fuzz in my pocket. It was bothering me. Sorry. I'm easily distracted, you guys. You didn't know that, did you? If you love your spouse, Okay, here's where it gets weird, and that's, this is why I'm dawdling, because I hate to make things awkward. If you love your spouse and you genuinely love that person that you notice is attractive, yeah, I told you it's gonna get weird, and you genuinely love their spouse, I'm not talking about just in a sexual attraction, I'm talking about genuinely loving people, okay? So if you love your spouse and you notice that there's an attractive person of the opposite sex, but you genuinely care about them and love them and you love their spouse as well, you will not behave in a way that brings evil into those relationships. Oh, I see, it got really awkward. Then we were, we're good. 
If you really love people, you're not going to sow evil into those relationships. When you love, when you genuinely love, you won't commit adultery. That's what the text says. Because love fulfills all of the law. If you really love people with the love of Christ that is in you, then like Christ, instead of killing people who deserve to die, oh, this is a tough one for me, (laughs) you offer life. If you love people instead of stealing from them, you give to people. We don't need a bunch of laws. We need one law. Love people with the love of Christ. If you love people, you'll genuinely be happy for what others have instead of selfishly coveting or wanting whatever they have for yourself. You know what I mean? Because if you don't love them, they're like, well, you don't deserve to have that. That's not fair. That's not fair. See, that's what we do. It's not fair. I should have that. As I'm, I'm good. I'm nice. I'm blah, 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 blah. No, you're not. It doesn't matter anyway. If you love them, then if they're blessed, you're happy for them. So I watch people, and I notice that if you can't be happy for people who are blessed, I avoid you. You're not my kind of people. I need to be around people. I don't need to be. I just want to be around people who can be happy for other people who are doing well, who God is blessing. The Old Testament commandments are summed up in this one commandment. I would go as far as to say the Old Testament is summed up into this, in this one commandment. This is not a suggestion as point number one points out, it is an obligation as believers, as being transformed, change the way we think. Love your neighbor as yourself and do no wrong to others. Do no wrong. Love never justifies proud or selfish behavior. Never. Love first, love aggressively, and love sacrificially. Oh, Brent, this is, this is really hard. And uh, you're saying a lot here. And it's like giving all of my, the totality of my being to a, as a sacrifice to the living God. I feel like I'm going to have to think about this and decide if I want to do this. And I may need to kind of grow into this. Well, there is no time for dinking around. Dinking is a Greek word. We talk about it in Bible school. Watch this. Number two, dressed in his presence. Dressed in his presence. I have read through Romans. I have preached through Romans. I've taught classes on the book of Romans. And this week, while I'm going through this, I am like, wow. I don't think I've ever seen this before. And it's obvious. Dressed in his presence. Verse 11. This is all the more urgent For you know how late it is. Time is running out. I don't think that we do it consciously. I didn't put this in my my notes. Pardon me for just a second. It's kind of like we come to church like, that's a good message. I'm going to think about it tomorrow. Well, then tomorrow you're busy with tomorrow's worries. And so then you never think about it. And then the next Sunday you're like, oh, yeah, that was good. I, I need to think about that. And Monday comes and you're worrying about Monday. So you never think about it. We're always kicking the can down the road of, oh man, I've really got to engage in my my relationship with God and loving people, um, but I'll do it it tomorrow. 
This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. I'm distracted. There's a Jehovah's Witness guy keeps calling me on Wednesday night, like right before class starts. And he wants to talk about end time events, Matthew 24. And he's all, hello, Brett, have you read Matthew 24? There's some things there that I want to talk to you about. Real interesting end time things, things that are happening in the world today. And uh, basically he wants to scare the bejeebies out of the person who answers the phone uh, so that they will commit to Christ. I have a problem with that. Uh, because the previous chapters are about just be ready, be ready. The, the bridegroom is coming, be ready. And that's what Paul is saying here. The time is running out. Every second we're closer to the return of Christ. So, so wake up, salvation is near, nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. We don't have time to dawdle. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. I like the alliteration. That's good. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes that have septic water on them and put on the shining armor of right living. Oh, that's so good. Verse 13, because we belong to the day, because Paul's making the assumption that we're all saved, okay? He's making the assumption that we're all saved. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see because it's in the day. Everybody's gonna see it. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, Quarreling, oops, jealousy. Where's my pen? We need to scratch those last two out. There is a sense of urgency here that every one of us should feel. Every one of us experiencing our salvation. We're coming closer to the day where it is completed. So it's, it's happening every second we're closer. This is not about sharing the gospel message, by the way. I wanna qualify this because we often make urgency about telling other people about Christ, right? It's the pastor hitting the pulpit. Jesus could come back any moment. If I hit this one, it'll fall apart because the screws are loose. There's something ironic about that in there. Somebody has a screw loose. He's gonna come back any second. Are you ready? That's not what this text is about. This text is not about sharing the gospel. It's not about evangelism. This is about you and your salvation. This is about your behavior and your attitude right now. Right now. Not thinking about it tomorrow. Nope. Right now. The ur this urgency is about you to remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. My daughter, when she was little, I shouldn't use her as an example. She, I don't think she likes it when I use her as an example. I remember seeing her come in the front door of the house. Before the door closed behind her, she could just take a step, flick off her shoe, take a step, flick off her shoe, 
And by the time she got to the living room, she was down to her drawers. She was little. She hasn't done that in a week or so. Get your dirty clothes off. Remove your dark deeds, your dark deeds like dirty clothes. The completion of God's salvation is coming. There is no time to be dabbling in the dark deeds of sin. Are you with me? Doing wrong is a big deal. Right now, doing wrong, doing, be, participating in sin, it is wrong and it is wrong right now. It's a big deal and it always will be. So we don't justify it. We don't, we don't figure out a way that it's okay for me to do this today. He says, so get rid of your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And then he says, and put on the shining armor of right living. Right living. Everyone say right living. Yeah, so I've been around Christianity for a long time, long enough to know that I, I have heard lots of sermons on putting on the armor of God. And we think of spiritual warfare, and it's exciting, and it's, there's this sense of, of we're either going to be protected from evil by the spiritual arm, by God's armor, right? Why are you looking at me like it's a question? You're like, I don't know. Lisa just taught this on Wednesday night. You guys come to DHC Kids, you'll learn about the armor of God. It's too late now, she already taught it, forget it. We read in Ephesians about the armor of God and we're all beat our chest. It's gonna protect us from evil. Or like some of us, we're like, yeah, put on the armor of God and now we're gonna go after evil. We're gonna be a force against evil. Are you, am I the only one that ever feels that way? Yeah, put on the armor of God. We're going to go chase the devil down and beat him over the head with our Bibles. We've got a King James Version with commentary in it. Boom! Come on, buddy! Yeah, that's how we feel. We read about the armor of God. We're protected from evil. We're going to be a force against evil. And then we go out and we do evil. That's a problem. That's a problem. Well, <laughs> That took a turn there, Brent, didn't like that. <laughs> I heard on the radio this morning, he's like, everybody has a right to speak, but you have to earn the right to be heard. I think I was speaking there really good, and then all of a sudden, I was not heard. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to protect ourselves from evil with the armor of God. We're going to be a force against evil, and then we go out, and our wife doesn't cook our favorite meal, so now we're angry at her. We do selfish things. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to go grab something. I'm not sure that uh, God redeemed the most intelligent of species on the planet. Church. <laughs> Some of you are listening. Like, Wait, what did, he, did he just say we were unintelligent? I think he just said we're unintelligent. I said, take off your dirty deeds. Woo. <clears throat> the shining armor that God is talking about here, that Paul is talking about, of what? You say it. Of right living here in chapter 12. That shining armor, it is right living. You thought I was going to say something profound, huh? Duh, right living, not right wishing. Oh, man, if only we could live the way we wish we could live. I'm going to be a good Christian one of these days. That's not the armor of God. 
Right living is the shining armor. Well, I just have this one incident, Brent, where I need to take off my shiny armor and my right living, and I need to put on some dirty deeds. (laughs) I'm going to put on some dirty deeds and deal with the devil. And somehow we think that that's justifiable. We belong to the day. I love that. We belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see, not just our church friends, right? Because we can, you can fool everybody on Sunday. You can't fool everybody Monday through Saturday. We must live decent lives for all to see. We must not participate in darkness at all. No septic water, none. Some of you are like, rats. No, no, no sin, no evil, no darkness in your life. He specifically says no drunkenness. He says no sexual promiscuity. So sexual promiscuity in a sex-charged world that we live in, sex outside of marriage is evil. Sex outside of marriage is evil. My son, the other day, uh, we were talking, we were in the truck and we are visiting and he's, it was like a light bulb had gone on in his brain. So he got married really young. I encouraged him to because I understand how those things work. Uh, He says, hey dad, he said, everybody my age has had sex with more than one person already and they're not married. And he was telling me like, did you know that other people have sex before marriage? I'm like, You lived in a little sheltered world, didn't you there, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, because we have normalized, even in the church, that sex outside of marriage is no big deal. It's just a little septic water. Pornography is evil. Here's why. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount tells us that thinking about another woman's wife is adultery. Thinking about it. See, where did we start? We started in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, where he says, you have been transformed by the renewing of your mind, the transformation of your mind. God is gonna change the way you think. Why? Because that is where sin is brewing. Amen, Brent, that's good. All right, okay. No immoral living, no doing evil of any kind, no quarreling. And you've heard me say it aggravates me that the church has been stereotyped as we argue about the littlest, most simple, ridiculous things. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. No jealousy. The standard of shining armor, of the shining armor of right living is really high. Did you catch that? Don't even think about sin. How high is the standard, you ask? I'm glad that you asked. Romans chapter 12, 13, verse 14, I'm going on. He said, instead, instead of clothing yourselves in the dark, dirty deeds, instead, clothe yourself with the presence. I'm reading this slow because you got to engage your imagination and visualize what is happening here. Instead of being dressed in dirty deeds of evil, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil 
desires. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So this is the picture in your brain. Instead of clothing yourself in sin, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The standard is not your righteousness because your righteousness is always imperfect. The standard is the perfect sinlessness, the pure holiness of God's only son. How do we love Brent? By the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through his righteousness, through his holiness, that we interact in the relationships in our lives. That's the standard. Yeah, but what? No, no. They sin against me, Brent. No. You were sinning against Christ whenever he died for you. Paul is not talking about the imputed righteousness of Christ here. It's a big theological concept where God takes the righteousness of Christ and puts it on you. And it's like kind of like second, you know, two. It's number two. You get from Christ to you. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the imputed righteousness of Christ. This is not, oh, stay with me for five more minutes. This is not one characteristic of Christ being present in your life. This is not one characteristic of Christ being present in your life. This is Christ Jesus, the Lord Christ Jesus, the fullness of the holy God being present all around you. There's no place for evil. There's no place for evil in the presence of the Lord Jesus. There is no justification for anything less than God's love to be present in us. There is no time that dirty deeds should even be perceived in you. God has transformed you. He's transformed your thinking. He has transformed your behavior. He says, Paul says, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Well, Brent, nobody knows what I'm thinking. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Now, I'm a good preacher's kid and I'm a pastor, some would say. Uh, I may have, you know, sometimes people do me wrong and I may lay in bed at night from time to time and think, I'd slash their tires. <laughs> I'm just being serious. <clears throat> yeah. Brent, nobody knows what I'm thinking, but, but whenever somebody sins against us, right, our minds go, <whistles> don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Listen carefully. I'm almost done. The very presence of the holy God knows exactly what you're thinking. This verse is not about whether or not you are sinning. It's not about whether or not you're sinning. This is about the absurdity of you. I said absurdity. Are you with me? This is about the absurdity of you thinking that you can hate someone and simultaneously be filled with the presence of a righteous and holy God. 
That's absurd. Doesn't make any sense. This is about the absurdity of you thinking that you can sexualize someone, not your spouse, and assume the presence of Christ Jesus doesn't mind. It's okay. It's no big deal. It's absurd. This is about the absurdity of you thinking that the jealousy or pride or selfishness in your heart well, Brent, they're not that bad. This is about the jealousy, pride, selfishness, name the sin in your heart that you think can cohabitate with the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead so that your sin would be washed away. It's absurd to think that you can participate in the dirty deeds of sin and simultaneously be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in our text, I gotta find it. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you get goose pimples, that should give you goose pimples. Sin would fool you into believing that there is no sense of urgency about getting rid of your dirty, filthy, evil actions and attitudes. But salvation pleads with us, don't even think about satisfying your evil desires. You see how God did that? It's pretty cool. In view of all God's mercies, we surrender our bodies and our minds as a living sacrifice to God to live today in a way that is pleasing to God. We have one body to live for his glory. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.